part two of the preface of the phenomenology of mind volume one by george wilhelm friedrich hegel translated by james black bailey this librivox recording is in the public domain preface part two what has been said may also be expressed by saying that reason is purposive activity extolling so-called nature at the expense of thought misunderstood and more especially the rejection of external purposiveness, have brought the idea of purpose in general into disrepute. All the same, in this sense in which Aristotle too characterises nature as purposive activity, purpose is the immediate, the undisturbed, the unmoved, which is self-moving, as such it is subject. Its power of moving, taken abstractly, is its existence for itself, or pure negativity. The result is the same as the beginning solely because the beginning is purpose. Stated otherwise, what is actual and concrete is the same as its inner principle or notion, simply because the immediate qua purpose contains within it the self or pure actuality. The realised purpose or concrete actuality is movement and process of development, but this very unrest is the self, and it is one and the same with that immediacy and simplicity characteristic of the beginning just for the reason that it is the result and has returned upon itself while this latter again is just the self and is the self self-referring and self-relating identity and simplicity when thinking of the absolute as subject men have made use of statements like god is the eternal or the moral order of the world or love etc in such propositions the ultimate truth is just barely stated to be subject but not set forth as the process of reflectively mediating itself within itself. In a proposition of that kind, we begin with the word God. By itself this is a meaningless sound, a mere name. The predicate says afterwards what it is, and gives content and meaning. The empty beginning becomes real knowledge only when we get to the end of the statement. So far as that goes, why not speak alone of the eternal, of the moral order of the world, etc.? or, like the ancients, of pure conceptions, such as being, the one, etc., i.e., of what gives the meaning without adding the meaningless sound at all. But this word just indicates that it is not being or essence or universal in general that is put forward, but something reflected into self, a subject. Yet at the same time this acceptance of the absolute as subject is merely anticipated, not really affirmed. The subject is taken to be a fixed point, and to it as their support the predicates are attached by a process falling within the individual knowing about it but not looked upon as belonging to the point of attachment itself only by such a process however could the content be presented as subject constituted as it is this process cannot belong to the subject but when that point of support is fixed to start with this process cannot be otherwise constituted it can only be external the anticipation that the absolute is subject is therefore not merely the realization of this conception it even makes realization impossible for it makes out the notion to be a static point while its actual reality is self-movement self-activity among the many consequences that follow from what has been said it is of importance to emphasize this that knowledge is only real and can only be set forth fully in the form of science in the form of system and further the so-called fundamental proposition or first principle of philosophy even if, if even if it is true 
is yet nonetheless false just because and in so far as it is merely a fundamental proposition merely a first principle it is for that reason easily refuted the refutation consists in bringing out its defective character and it is defective because it is merely universal merely a principle the beginning if the refutation is complete and thorough it is derived and developed from the nature of the principle itself and not accomplished by bringing in from elsewhere other counter-assurances and chance fancies it would be strictly the development of the principle and thus the completion of its deficiency were it not that it misunderstands its own purport by taking account solely of the negative aspect of what it seeks to do and is not conscious of the positive character of the process and result the really positive working out of the beginning is at the same time just as much the very reverse it is a negative attitude towards the principle we start from negative that is to say of its one-sided form which consists in being primarily immediate mere purpose it may therefore be regarded as a refutation of what constitutes the basis of the system but more correctly it should be looked as a demonstration that the basis or the principle of the system is in point of fact merely its beginning that truth is only realized in this form of system that substance is essentially subject is expressed in the idea which represents the absolute as spirit geist the grandest conception of all and the one which is due to modern times and its religion spirit is the only reality it is the inner being of the world that which essentially is and is per se it assumes objective determinate form and enters into relations with itself it is externality otherness and exists for itself yet in this determination and in this otherness it is still one with itself it is self-contained and self-complete in itself and for itself at once this self-containedness however is first something known by us it is implicit in its nature and sich it is substance spiritual it has to become self-contained for itself on its own account it must get knowledge of spirit and it must be conscious of itself as spirit as spirit this means it must be presented to itself as an object but at the same time straight away annul and transcend this objective form it must be its own subject in which it finds itself reflected so far as its spiritual content is produced by its own activity it is only we the thinkers who know spirit to be for itself to be objective to itself but in so far as spirit knows itself to be for itself then this self-production the pure notion is the sphere and element in which its objectification takes effect and where it gets existential form in this way it is existence aware of itself as an object in which its own self is reflected mind which thus developed knows itself to be mind is science science is its relation and the kingdom it sets up for itself in its own native element the self having knowledge purely of itself in the absolute antithesis of itself this pure ether as such is the very soil where science flourishes is knowledge in universal form the beginning of philosophy presupposes or demands from consciousness that it should feel at home in this element but this element only attains its perfect meaning and acquires transparency through the process of gradually developing it it is pure spirituality as the universal which assumes the shape of simple immediacy and this simple immediate element existing as such is the soil of science is thinking and can be only in mind because this medium this immediacy of mind is the mind's substantial nature in general it is the transfigured essence reflection 
which itself is simple, which is aware of itself as immediacy. It is being, which is reflection into itself. Science, on its side, requires the individual self-consciousness to have risen into this high ether in order to be able to live with science, and in science, and really to feel alive there. Conversely, the individual has the right to demand that science shall hold the ladder to help him get as far as this position, shall show him that he has himself this ground to stand on. His right rests on absolute independence, which he knows he possesses in every type and phase of knowledge, for in every phase, whether recognised by science or not, and whatever be the content, his right as an individual is the absolute and final form, i.e. he is the immediate certainty of self, and thereby is unconditioned being, were this expression preferred. If the position taken up by consciousness, that of knowing about objective things as opposed to itself, and about itself as opposed to them, is held by science to be the very opposite of this position. If, when in knowing it keeps within itself, and never gets beyond itself, science holds the state to be rather the loss of mind altogether, on the other hand, the element in which science consists is looked at by consciousness as a remote and distant region, in which the consciousness no longer in possession of itself. Each of these two sides takes the other to be the perversion of the truth, for the naive consciousness, to give itself up completely and straight away to science, is to make an attempt induced by some unknown influence, and all at once to walk on its head. The compulsion to take up this attitude, and to move about in this position, is a constraining force it is urged to fall in with, without ever being prepared for it, and with no apparent necessity for doing so. Let science be, per se, what it likes, in its relation to naive, immediate self-conscious life it it presents the appearance of being a reversal of the latter. Or again, because naive self-consciousness finds the principle of reality in the certainty for itself, science bears the character of unreality, since consciousness for itself is a state quite outside science. Science has, for that reason, to combine that other element of self-certainty with its own, or rather to show that the other element belongs to itself and how it does so. When devoid of that sort of reality, science is merely the content of mind, qua, something implicit or potential, and sich. Purpose, which at the start is no more than something internal, not spirit, but first merely spiritual substance. This implicit moment, an sich, is to find external expression and become an objective in its own account. This means nothing else than that its moment has to establish self-consciousness as one with itself. It is this process by which science in general comes about, this gradual development of knowing, that is set forth here in the phenomenology of mind. Knowing, as it is found at the start, mind in its immediate primitive stages without the essential nature of mind, is sense-consciousness. To get the length of genuine knowledge, or produce the element where science is found, the pure conception of science itself, a long and laborious journey, must be undertaken. This process towards science, as regards the content it will bring to light, and the forms it will assume in the course of its progress, will not be what is primarily imagined by leading the scientific consciousness up to the level of science. It will be something different, too, from establishing and laying the foundation of science, and anyway something else than the sort of ecstatic enthusiasm which starts straight off with the absolute knowledge, as if shot out of a pistol, and makes short work of other points of view simply by explaining that it is to take no notice of them. The task of conducting the individual mind from its unscientific standpoint to that of science has to be taken in its general sense. 
we had to contemplate the formative development bildung of the universal or general individual or self-conscious spirit as to the relation between these two the particular and the general individual every moment as it gains concrete form and its own proper shape and appearance finds a place in the life of the universal individual the particular individual is incomplete mind a concrete shape in whose existence taken as a whole one determinate characteristic predominates while the others are found only in a blurred outline in this mind which stands higher than another the lower concrete form of existence has sunk into an obscure moment what was once a substantial objective fact die Sacht selbst, is now only a single trace its definite shape has been veiled and become simply a piece of shading the individual whose substance is mind at the higher level passes through these past forms much the same way that one who takes up higher stance goes through the preparatory forms of knowledge which he has long made his own in order to call up their content before him he brings back the recollection of them without stopping to fix his interest upon them the particular individual so far as content is concerned has also to go through the stages through which the general mind has passed but as shapes once assumed by mind now laid aside as stages of a road which has been worked over and levelled out hence it is that in the case of various kinds of knowledge we find that what in former days occupied the energies of men of mature mental ability sinks to the level of information exercise and even pastimes for children and in these educational processes we can see the history of the world's culture delineated by a faint outline this bygone mode of existence has already become an acquired possession of the general mind which constitutes the substance of the individual and by thus appearing externally to him furnishes his inorganic nature in this respect culture or development of mind bildung regarded from the side of the individual consists in this acquiring what lies at hand ready for him in making its inorganic nature organic to himself and in taking possession of it for himself looked at however from the side of universal mind qua general spiritual substance culture means nothing else than that this substance gives itself its own self-consciousness brings about its own inherent process and its own reflection into self science lays before us the morphogenic process of this cultural development in all its detailed fullness and necessity and at the same time shows it to be something that has already sunk into the mind as a moment of its being and become a possession of mind the goal to be reached is the mind's insight into what knowing is impatience asks for the impossible wants to reach the goal without the means of getting there the length of the journey has to be borne with for every moment is necessary and again we must halt at every stage for each is itself complete individual form and is fully and finally considered only in so far as it has determinate character is taken and is dealt with as a rounded and concrete whole or only as in so far as the whole is looked at in the light of the special and peculiar character which, which this determination gives it because the substance of the individual mind nay more because the individual mind at work with the world weltgeist has had the patience to go through these forms in the long stretch of time's extent and take upon itself the prodigious labour of the world's history where it bodied forth in each form in the entire content of itself which each is capable of grasping and because by nothing less could that all-pervading mind ever manage to become conscious of what it's, it itself is for that reason 
the individual mind in the nature of the case cannot expect by less toil to grasp what its own substance contains all the same its task has meanwhile been made much lighter because this has historically been implicitly and sich accomplished and the content is one where reality has already given place to spiritual possibilities where immediacy has been overcome and brought under the control of reflection the various forms and shapes having been already reduced to their intellectual abbreviations to determinations of thought pure and simple being now a thought this content is the possession of the substance of mind existence has no more to be changed into the form that it is inherent and implicit anschens, but only the implicit no longer merely something primitive nor lying hidden within existence but already present as a recollection into the form of what is explicit of what is objective to self Verschins. we have to state more exactly the way this is done at the point at which we here take up this movement we are spared in connection with the whole the process of cancelling and transcending the stage of mere existence this process has already taken place what is still to be done and needs a higher kind of transformation is to transcend the forms as ideally as presented and made familiar to our minds by that previous negative process existence having been withdrawn into the mind's substance is in the first instance transferred into the life of self only in an immediate way the possession of self has thereby acquired has still the same character of uncomprehended immediacy of passive indifference which existence itself had existence has in this way merely passed into the form of ideal presentation at the same time by so doing it is something familiar to us something well known something which the existent mind has finished and done with and hence takes no more to do with and no further interest in when the activity that is done with the existent is merely the process of a particular mind of mind which is not comprehending itself on the other hand knowledge is directed against this ideal presentation which has hereby arisen against this being familiar and well known it is an action of universal mind the concern of thought what we are familiar with is not intelligently known just for the reason that it is familiar when engaged in the process of knowing it is the commonest form of self-deception and the deception of other people as well to assume something to be familiar and give assent to it on that very account knowledge of that sort with all its talk never gets from the spot but has no idea that this is the case subject and object and so on god nature understanding sensibility etc are uncritically presupposed as familiar and something significant and become fixed points from which to start and from which to return the process of knowing flits between these secure point and in consequence goes on merely along the surface apprehending and demonstrating consistent similarity seeing whether every one finds what is said corresponding to his idea too whether it is familiar and seems to him so-and-so or so-and-so not analysis of an idea as it used to be carried out did anyway consist in nothing else than doing away with the character of familiarity to break up an idea into its ultimate elements means returning upon its moments which at least do not have the form of the idea as picked up but are the immediate property of the self doubtless the analysis only arrives at thoughts which are themselves known elements fixed inert determinations but what is thus broken up into parts this unreal entity is itself an essential moment for just because the concrete fact is self-divided and turns into unreality 
it is something self-moving, self-active. The action of separating the elements is the exercise of the force of understanding, the most astonishing and greatest of all powers, or rather the absolute power. The circle which is self-enclosed and at rest, and being a substance holds its own moments, is an immediate condition, the immediate continuous relation of elements with their unity, and hence arouses no sense of wonderment. But an accident as such, when cut loose from its containing circumference, that what is bound and held by something else, and actual only by being connected with it, should get an existence all its own, gain freedom and independence in its own account, this is the portentous power of the negative. It is the energy of thought of pure ego. Death, as what we might call that unreality, is the most terrible thing, and to keep hold fast what is dead demands the greatest force of all. Beauty, powerless and helpless, hates understanding, because the latter extracts from it what it cannot perform. But the life of mind is not one that shuns death and keeps clear of destruction. It endures its death, and in death maintains its being. It only wins it to its truth when it finds itself in utter desolation. It is the mighty power, not by being a positive which turns away from the negative, as when we say something there is nothing or it is false, and being then done with it pass off to something else. On the contrary, mind is this power only by looking at the negative in the face and dwelling with it. This dwelling besides it is the magic power that converts the negative into being. That power is just what we spoke of above as subject, which by giving determinateness a place in substance cancels abstract immediacy, i.e. immediacy which merely is, and by so doing becomes its true substance, becomes being or immediacy, that does not have mediation outside it, but is this mediation itself. This process of making what is objectively presented a possession of pure self-consciousness, of raising it to the level of universality in general, is merely one aspect of mental development. Spiritual evolution is not yet completed. The manner of study in ancient times is distinct from that of the modern world, in that the former consisted of the cultivation and perfecting of the natural mind. Testing life carefully at all points, philosophizing about everything that it came across, the former created an experience permeated through and through by universals. In modern times, however, an individual finds the abstract form ready-made. In straining to grasp and make it its, his own, he rather strives to bring forward the inner meaning alone without any process of mediation. The production of the universal is abridged instead of the universal arising out of the manifold detail of concrete existence. Hence nowadays the task before us is to consider, not so much in getting the individual clear of the level of sensuous immediacy and making him a substance that thinks and is grasped in terms of thought, but rather the very opposite. It consists in actualizing the universal and giving its spiritual vitality by the process of breaking down and suspending fixed and determinate thoughts. But it is much more difficult to make fixed and definite thoughts fuse with one another and form a continuous whole and to bring sensuous existence into this state. The reason lies in what was said before. Thought determinations get their substance and their elements of their existence from the ego, the power of negative or pure reality, while determination of sense finds in impotent abstract immediacy in mere beings in such. Thoughts become fluent and interfuse when thinking pure and simple, this inner immediacy knows itself as a moment when pure certainty of self abstracts from itself. It does not abstract in the sense of getting away from itself and setting itself on one side, 
but of surrendering the fixed quality of its self-affirmation and giving up both the fixity of the purely concrete which is the ego as contrasted with the variety of its content and the fixity of all those distinctions the various thought functions principles etc which are present in the element of pure thought and share that absoluteness in the ego in virtue of this process pure thoughts become notions and conceptions and are there what they are in truth self-moving conjunctions circles what their substance consists of are spiritual entities this movement of the spiritual entities constitutes the nature of the scientific procedure in general looked at as the concatenation of their content this movement is the necessitated development and expansion of that content into an organic systematic whole by this movement too the road which leads to the notion of knowledge becomes itself likewise a necessary and complete involving process verdon this preparatory stage thus ceases to consist in casual philosophical reflections referring to objects here and there to processes and thoughts of the undeveloped mind as chance may direct and it does not try to establish the truth by miscellaneous rationalizations inferences and consequences drawn from circumscribed thoughts the road to science by the very movement of the notion itself will compass the entire objective world of conscious life and rational necessity further a systematic exposition like this constitutes the first part of science because the positive existence of mind qua primary and ultimate is nothing but the immediate aspect of mind the beginning the beginning but not yet its return to itself the characteristic feature distinguishing this part of science phenomenology from others is that element of positive immediate experience the mention of this distinction leads us to discuss certain established ideas that usually come to notice in this connection the mind's immediate existence conscious life has two aspects cognition and objectivity which is opposed to or negative of the subject function of knowing since it is the medium of consciousness that mind is developed and brings out its various moments this opposition between the factors of conscious life is found at each stage of in the evolution of mind and all the various moments appear as modes or forms gestalten of consciousness the scientific statement of the course of this development is a science of experience through which the consciousness passes the substance and its process are considered as the object of consciousness consciousness is known and comprehends nothing but what falls within experience for what is found in experience is merely spiritual substance and moreover object of itself mind however becomes object for it consists in the process of becoming another to itself i e an object for its own self and in transcending in this otherness and experience is called this very process by which the element that is immediate unexperienced i e abstract whether it be in the form of sense or of a bare thought externalizes itself and then comes back to itself from this state of estrangement and so by doing at length is set forth in its concrete nature and real truth and becomes too a possession of consciousness the dissimilarity which obtains in consciousness between the ego and the substance constituting its object is the inner distinction the factor of negativity in general we may regard it as the defect of both opposites but it is their very soul their moving spirit it was on this account that certain thinkers long ago took the void to be the principle of movement and when they conceived the moving principle to be the negative element though they had not yet thought of it as self while this negative factor appears in the first instance as a dissimilarity an inequality between ego and object it is just as much the inequality of the substance with itself what seems to take place outside it to be an actively directed against it is its own doing its own activity 
and substance shows that it is in reality subject. When it has brought out the completely mind, it has made its existence adequate to and one with its essential nature. Mind is object to itself just as it is, and the abstract element of immediacy, of the separation between knowing and the truth, is overcome. Being is entirely mediated, it is a substantial contact, it is likewise directly the possession of the ego, it has the character of self, is notion. With the attainment of this, the phenomenology of mind concludes. What mind prepares for itself by argument of the phenomenology is the element of true knowledge. It is this element, the moments of mind, that are now set out in the form of thought, pure and simple, which knows its object to be itself. They no longer involve the opposition between being and knowing. They remain within the undivided simplicity of knowing function. They are truth in the form of truth, and their diversity is merely diversity of the content of truth. The process by which they are developed into an organically connected whole is logic and speculative philosophy. Now, because the systematic statement of the mind's experience embraces merely its way of appearing, it may as well seem that the advance from that to the science of ultimate truth in the form of truth is merely negative, and we might readily be content to dispense with the negative process as something altogether false, and might ask to be taken straight to the truth at once. Why meddle with what is false at all? The point formally raised that we should have begun with science at once may be answered here by considering the character of negativity in general, regarded as something false. The usual ideas on this subject particularly obstruct the approach to truth. The consideration at this point will give us an opportunity to speak about the mathematical knowledge the unphilosophical mind looks upon as the ideal which philosophy ought to try to attain, but is so far striven to, in vain to reach. Truth and falsehood, as commonly understood, belong to these sharply defined areas, which claim a completely fixed nature of their own, one standing in solid isolation on this side, the other on that, without any community between them. Against this view it must be pointed out that truth is not like a stamped coin, that is issued ready from the mint and so can be taken up and used. Nor, again, is there something false any more than there is something evil. Evil and falsehood are not so bad as the devil, for in the form of the devil they get the length of being particular subjects, qua false and evil, they are merely individuals, although they have a nature of their own with reference to one another. Falsity, that is what we are dealing with here, would be otherness, the negative aspect of the substance, which, substance qua content of knowledge, is truth. But the substance is itself essentially the negative element, partly as involving distinction and determination of content, partly as being a process of distinguishing pure and simple i.e. as being self and knowledge in general. Doubtless we can know in a way in which is false. To know something falsely means that knowledge is not adequate to, is not on equal terms with its substance. Yet this very dissimilarity in the process is distinction in general. The essential moment is knowing. It is in fact out of this active distinction that its harmonious unity arises, and this identity, when arrived at, is truth. It is not truth in a sense which would involve the rejection of the discordance, the diversity, like dross from pure metal, nor again does truth remain detached from diversity, like a finished article from the instrument that shapes it. Difference itself continues to be an immediate element within truth as such, in the form of the principle of negation, in the form of the activity of self. All the same, we cannot for that reason say that falsehood is a moment or forms even a constituent part of truth, that... Quote, in every case of falsity there is something true, unquote, 
is an expression in which they are taken to be like oil and water which do not mix and are merely united externally just in the interest of their real meaning precisely because we want to designate the aspect or moment of complete otherness the terms true and false must no longer be used where their otherness has been cancelled and superseded just as the expressions quote, unity of subject and object unquote, of quote, finite and infinite of quote, being and thought unquote, etc are absurd if the subject and object etc are taken to mean what they are outside their unity and thus the unity means to be what its very expression conveys in the same way falsehood is not qua false any longer a moment of truth dogmatism as a way of thinking whether in ordinary knowledge or in the study of philosophy is nothing else but the view that truth consists in a proposition which is a fixed and final result or again which is directly known to questions like when was caesar born or how many feet has a furlong etc a straight answer it ought to be given just as it is absolutely true to say the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the square on the other two sides of a right-angled triangle but the nature of a so-called truth of that sort is different from the nature of philosophical truth end of the preface part two recording by morris in Aldi, bedfordshire